Shalom, Jim. Shalom, Rabbi. I'm glad that you're here with me today. And um, I didn't think we'd be able to do a program this week, to tell you the truth, because my son, Shlomo, who you know very well, mm -hmm. is our videographer and editor, and he is uh, on the front line yeah. in the South. In the South, he's been called up. And um, fortunately, you were able to put something together for us today, a little bit of a different format. But how could we not try and reach out to our listeners and viewers and let them know what's going on? Um, it's such a, a hard thing to talk about. These are such difficult days. Yeah. Um, I guess this is the first time that you've actually been in Israel in, in an actual wartime situation. Exactly. I've been coming here, as most of our regular listeners know, I've been coming here since 1994. Uh, every year, except for the two years of COVID. And uh, I've had some near misses when we've had these horrible suicide bombings years ago. But this was the first, yeah. being here when the sirens went off, especially right. in fact, this you, time. You just came over here to our home today. Uh, and as we were sitting and talking about doing this program, the siren went off right here in Jerusalem. Right, 12, 12 noon, just about. Right. Yeah. So this is very hard, and it's... Um, uh, hard times, and in, in fact, this past Shabbat, uh, which was also the, the festival of Shemini Atzeret, Simchat Torah, um, undoubtedly we could say that it was um, one of the worst days in the history of Israel, mm -hmm. and certainly the bloodiest day, absolutely, in the history of Israel. Now we know so far that over 700 people were killed, murdered, really <laughs> murdered, um, Soldiers and policemen, but many, many civilians, many, many children. And it's very, very hard to describe what's going on here. It is uh, a completely different situation, a completely different scenario. It's basically a, a war for our survival now. It really is. Right. Um, this week, we start uh, reading the Torah again from the beginning. Breshit, it's a whole new beginning, a whole new world, a whole new creation. So that uh, fits in a really a quite... Uh, succinctly in a way Hashem is renewing all of creation speaking of God mm -hmm. speaking of Hashem you know uh, a lot of people are asking uh, where is he and uh, expressing a lot of doubts of faith and you know what I see him right here in the midst of all of this um, it is part of this uh, tremendous master plan you know what um, God made promises to Abraham Isaac and Jacob those are huge promises that he made to those huge men, and mm -hmm. that those promises are forever. And, um, you know, I was talking to someone who was having a, a difficult time. We were all having a very difficult time. Jim, I, we've lost a lot of friends. Yeah. And a lot of, a lot of people that we know, where it's a small country, it's one family, we've lost a lot of people in the past hours. And um, I was talking to someone who was expressing these these terrible feelings that we have, you know, and here, here's how, here's what I said. I said, you know what? I I have to believe that there's a God in the world because nothing else makes sense. And everything that I have learned my whole life, I know that there's a God in the world, and I know that He runs everything exactly as it needs to be. And one of the greatest challenges that we have in this world is to understand that. According to our holy sages, even that which we perceive to be midatadin, even that which we perceive to be justice, is actually a form of Hashem's love. There's something major going on here right now as we speak. It is an upheaval, and I call it the end of an era and the beginning of a new era yeah. uh, as part of Hashem's plan. Now, that's a very excruciatingly difficult place to be in, but apparently God trusted us to be the generation that would be going through this. You know what, Jim? I can't uh, speak for Hashem and talk about the tr atrocities and the terrible things that have happened to people. People died in the Holocaust. Um, this is probably the bloodiest and most savage attack against the Jewish people since the Holocaust. Yes, that is true. That is a, not an, an exaggeration. We're going to talk about that. The sa savagery. Yes, we're going to talk about that. But the point yeah. is, yeah. again, there there is Hashem's relationship and dealing with every single soul and every single individual and the reward of every single soul and the time that they have in this world and the things that what ha that we have to go through. And then there's the idea of the nation altogether. And the nation altogether is made of asbestos. 
And that's what it means that Avraham Avinu was thrown into the fiery furnace and he walked out. Right. Now, a lot of people didn't. A lot of people didn't. His brother didn't. His brother didn't, and six million Jews didn't, and now yeah. 700 didn't. And yeah. over, you know, But the nation does. And so we, what I'm trying to say is, and my, my answer to every, everyone that's going through all of the things that we're going through, Jim, I'm tremendously concerned about my son. You know what? We're part of something much bigger. We're not individuals. Mm -hmm. We're part of something much bigger. And we have to understand what's going on. And there are so many different levels to what's going on because there's the level of the, uh, the world as we see it, the world as it's conducted, the geopolitical realities. That's one thing that we have to talk about because everybody's asking, how did this happen? How, how, how could Israeli intelligence that's supposed to be the greatest in the world, how could this, they not have seen this coming? What's that all about? Well, you know what? First of all, this is not my job, thank God. I'm not a military analyst. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, I feel like I know what I know, and I know who I know. And uh, the questions are very, very powerful, but this is not the time to answer those questions. Yes, we all are asking a lot of questions. Can, but, can I? Do you mind if I point but, out? But, but just you, this one sentence. Yeah. But, but I think that in years to come, people will still be trying to analyze what happened here as much as we can understand and as much as we're allowed to understand and as much as going to, is going to be hidden and shared. But the, the, it's not the time, because what we are seeing now is the tremendous heart and spirit, indefatigable, and soul of the, of the people of Israel coming together on the way, in the wake of a period of time that's been so horribly marked by terrible division, mm -hmm. terrible polarization in Israeli society about judicial reform, about this, about that, coming to such a head, secular and religious, coming to such a head in Yom, on Yom Kippur in Tel Aviv, Whereas in Israel's enemies have said publicly, we see what, what's going on, you're so divided. And obviously, mm -hmm. they chose this time that they've been planning for so long. But again, I don't even want to talk about the geopolitical reality. I want to talk about the fact that Hashem is here, and Hashem has a plan. Yeah. And this is the time for us to be united. And this is, this is really the time, and, hope, and, and flitting back and forth between the level of what all this means spiritually and the level of what it means for the IDF, well, we sure hope that Israel's response will be decisive. We sure hope we we sure hope that that will be uh, mm -hmm. that will be able to be have a decisive response. If I may, I would I, I'm hoping that Israel's response will be biblical, <laughs> on that scale. The way the way ancient Israel and King David and, and the like uh, recognized a threat, and they took care of it. Mm -hmm. These were. You know, David was the sweet singer of psalms, and and with the beautiful eyes. Yes, this is beautiful redheaded man, who knew seemingly no fear, and he he sang these songs of great compassion. Yet, like his ancestor Avraham Avinu, who was known for his his loving kindness, they were not afraid to pick up arms when their kindred were were in, in danger, and I just. I hope you don't mind me pointing out. You mentioned your son. I mean, you you uh, and I know you're not doing this on purpose, but I think the audience, if they don't know that, they need to know that you have three sons that are, have been deployed, and uh, they're they're all good friends of mine, and and uh, uh, two of them have produced uh, a couple of beautiful documentaries for this this channel, mm -hmm. and uh, the the oldest one is uh, this big lovable martial arts instructor that could take you, pick, pick, he could pick me up, and yet he is, he's this gentle, literally a gentle man, and uh, he's like his dad. Well, you know. goodness. So, <laughs> Let's back up for everybody. Sure, sure. So he, you and I are together here in our studio, which is now the War Room, and um, again, I'm thankful to you that you have the know-how to, to put this together. Uh, we're apologizing to our viewers. Things are a little bit different. It's not yeah. the same format, but again, I'm, I'm thankful that we were able to do this at all because Shlomo, my son, uh, is my right-hand man. He yeah. is a um, full-time um, um, employee of Jerusalem Lights. He does all of our video work. I, I don't know when he's coming back to He's him. the I, one I that's hope. responsible for it looking so cleanly professional. Yes, he's quite a pro. And, and so I don't know if he'll yeah. be away for days or weeks. We don't know anything. Yeah. And every moment, the situation that we in that we are in is is changing. So, getting back to this past Shabbat, it was just 
how could we describe how how that day was and how it uh, began to progress and and uh, as as we received news of what was going on, uh, these are things that are very difficult to talk about. So even now, we <laughs> jets overhead and we and we heard the, the thumping of uh, missiles falling in the area of Jerusalem. What's going on now, Jim, is that um, this war that has been thrust upon us is we can tell we can feel that it is literally a doomsday scenario mm-hmm. is literally the war that will be decisive in the survival of the state of israel right. um, hamas is the embodiment of evil let's just let's just say that um, what's going on here and i know that much of the world press has been focused on what's going on and i and i think I've seen a, lo- a lot of uh, different uh, outfits that have been quite uh, graphic and quite um, upfront about uh, and quite honest about what's going on for a change, you know. What's going on here is so difficult to speak about, and we won't speak about everything, um, but the level of savagery and atrocity that's being committed is is unparalleled. And I have to say this, it might sound extreme and people might think it's crazy, but you know what? What what they have done so far, and I mean, imagine, you, you know what it was like, like there was Shabbat and Sunday, and today we're recording, it's Monday. First of all, yesterday, there was a period of time in the afternoon, over a couple of hours, where the numbers quickly went up from like, over 200 had been killed to 700. Right. Because they're uncovering more bodies. They found 260 bodies of people, many multi uh, foreign nationals as well, that had been savagely murdered. That had been at this nature festival, this rave mm-hmm. n- near the border they, with they, Gaza. They, the, the survivor spoke of it, and it it sounds like a mass execution. Yes, and they so 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 again, people want to know how this happened, the geopolitical reality, the logistics. Mm-hmm. Again, I, I'm no I'm no general in the idea that I can explain all of this. I can explain to you. The, a lot of the background, I can explain to you that Israel was pressured by America and Europe decades ago to abandon Gaza, to uh, exile uh, 10,000 righteous Jews that were living in Gush Katif that were literally the buffer between us and, and Gaza. I can tell you that Gaza is, uh, is under the control of a terrorist organization. It's recognized internationally as being a terrorist organization. And people throw around, they bandy around these ignorant Statements like Israel is an apartheid state, but what we're doing to Gaza, we're, we're not in charge of Gaza. Hamas is in charge of right. Gaza, right? So uh, whatever it is that they did, what they did, that they were able to, you know, there are all sorts of st- stories and headlines that they were working on this for years. And they must have been because it took a lot of planning. And they fooled Israel into, and they lulled Israel into complacency by, by thinking, you know, by making us think that they're not interested in military confrontation. Whatever it is, whether it's Iranian-backed, which I really believe that there's evidence that this is coming from Iran, you know, that this is Iranian proxy mm-hmm. money and, and, and missiles. And the first day, Shabbat, thousands of missiles were launched against Israel. Yeah. And they're still continuing now. So Shabbat... Where, where do the poor, poor Palestinians get thousands of rockets? Right, if they're and RPG launchers and, yeah. and, and the arms and the munitions. So on Shabbat, you know, yeah. whether it's hundreds or thousands of um, terrorists poured into Israel, they, again, where was the military establishment? What, you know, were they aware of what was going on? Was there a total intelligence blackout? I don't know. I don't know. That's not where I'm going. These questions have to be answered, but... I want everybody to know what happened. So they, they drove into Israel. They broke through the fence. They drove into Israel. They drove into cities that are in the south that are near the border with Gaza. And they basically uh, took over towns like Sterot. They, they came and they entered homes and apartment buildings. Yeah. And they went from door to door, sometimes masquerading as IDF soldiers. Apparently they had uniforms literally murdering people, some in their beds, murdering parents in front of their children, murdering children in front of their parents. There was in one home, they murdered an entire family. In another home, they murdered the parents and then they, and they live streamed it. They took one of the kids' cell phones and live streamed this execution. They took 
over a hundred captives. Captives. They took, I can't even speak about it because death would be so much better. Five teenage girls from one family. Yeah. Amen. <sighs> they took old people infirmed in, in, in they took a, a, a woman, a grandmother, a Holocaust survivor in a wheelchair. They took all of these people into Gaza, men, women, and children. They, they slaughtered uh, high officers in the IDF, right. high officers. They took over an army base. Um, the, 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 they, they, they paraded women naked in the streets of Gaza. They abused a retarded child. All these things are on video clips that I can't watch personally. I can't, right. even, I can't watch it. I can't watch it. They, they, they abused all of these people, and they dragged the bodies of soldiers through the streets, right? And again, it, the Nazis, you know, may their names be obliterated. They, they wanted to kill all the Jews, yeah. and they were extremely organized, and they had a way of doing that. And there, there was some, some pretty horrible torture along the way, but the main thing was get it done. This is completely different. This is completely different. They, they, this is about murdering yeah. every, every Jew in the world. Not, and not to defend them, but they, they didn't try to dock it. They didn't try to trumpet to the world, look what we're doing to the Jews. In fact, they tried to keep it quiet. Not the Nazis did, exactly. Them, but the point is these, this is, this is why, and I, I hope I'm not veering off too much. Somebody said, well, you know, uh, why is Ishmael doing that? This is not Ishmael. This is Amalek. Amalek hated God, and they hated. You know what? The I don't have people. a DNA kit on me. It could be Ishmael. Yeah, Right? What does yeah. the Torah say? His hand is in everything, mm -hmm. and he's against everybody. I, I'm not going to say it doesn't really interest me right now. If Ishmael, they're Amalek, but they are who they are. And anybody yeah. who's been in the IDF, and I was in a combat unit for 12 years, Jim, but yeah. I'm an old man now. Anybody who knows anything about this mentality, talk to people who fought in Lebanon. They were being fired upon, and they saw finally through the scopes the source of the fire was a seven-year-old boy or a pregnant woman, right? This is who they this is who they send. This is what their idea of life is, right? right. So, again, um, it's it's unspeakable what what they have done. And I mean, I mean, a number like this that we could say that that so far, and the numbers keep climbing because they keep finding bodies because there were people that were grievously wounded. There were over 2,500, maybe 2,800 people that were wounded. So, so far today, the, the death count of the people that were killed on this past Shabbat here in Israel is over 700. And the thing is that... Who have, for, I mean, is yeah. that... Can we even understand a figure like that? Well, first of, all, is, first of all, the word that, that people are using over and over because it is so appropriate unprecedented we've never seen this this number of of deaths and casualties and and for those who still might not be the, the few people out there who are not familiar with this country you know it's basically it's such a small country that everybody knows everybody there's not this, one house in israel this, that is not affected by this yeah. it's family Every, it's, uh, there, there are people yeah. that we grew up with people that we right. know friends students family everybody mm -hmm. everybody is affected all of my friends here including you all of my friends who were my age or close to it, they all have kids that were sent to, to Gaza. And um, it's, it, you know, it makes me, is it this Parsha or the next Parsha where the word Hamas is in the text? Is it this one? It's the end of this one. Yeah, the the, well, it's right. describing the flood. Right. And there was that's Hamas. An, an, violent, violence, violent robbery. Yeah, violent robbery. So, so um, again, they're not hiding it from the world, right? How the world is reacting is another story that I want to talk about as well. But the point is, this is, um, there, and, and by the way, today, as we're sitting here recording Monday, uh, last night, another 70 terrorists poured in, and, the, and most of them have been eliminated. But there are, there are now, as of this hour, the IDF says that it took control of all the towns along the border. But there are still terrorists at large. They're we still attacking with missiles. We have up north Hezbollah to worry about, and we also don't know what the what the actual role to play will be of the West Bank Arabs, of the of the of the Israeli Arabs, yeah. and of the Judean Samaria Arabs. How much are they going to join in all of this? So, what will Israel's response be? Well, this the Secretary of the Cabinet says this will be the last war against Gaza. This is going to be it right now. That remains to be seen. 
but uh, you know, I, I, again, I, I think that people don't really understand the mentality that we're dealing with. I think they don't really understand who, if you can call them people, who they really are. Whether you like Jews, you don't like Jews, you, you think Zionists are evil, <laughs> banding around these these tired expressions. You have to understand what's what's going on here in Israel is going to. Uh, it always I've always said this, but now it's clearer than ever that it will determine the fate of all humanity. And you know what else, Jim? I, I just want to say this to our Christian friends, mm -hmm. you know, uh, just, to, just to call it as it is and say it straight out, you know, you, you guys are worshiping one Jew. That's a mistake. You should be worshiping every single one of us because we all die for your sins every single day. And that's exactly what's going on here. Yeah. We're, we're all God's firstborn. We're dying for your sins right now because, because the Jewish people in the land of Israel are the bulwark right. against the orcs. Mm -hmm. Okay? The orcs are coming not to a theater ne near you, but to your home. Right. This is exactly. And so now I, wa I want to talk about something else, okay? I'm reading about these rallies that are taking place all over America, especially on the campuses and these organizations like in New York City. Yeah. There's a, so you have pro-Palestinian groups. Okay. So you have, you have pro-Palestinian, uh, you have the squad, you have Tlaib, you have these, you have these uh, Arab sympathizers that all that comes out of their mouth is this ignorant, you know, Israel's an apartheid state. And why? And it's all Israel. So everything's going to be blamed on Israel now, right? And it's so, it's a the ignorance is the only word I can use because there, because for, uh, there are Arabs on the Supreme Court of the state of Israel. There's the state of Israel. There's Judea and Samaria, right? The biblical heartland, which mm -hmm. people call the West Bank, which is Abbas and the PLO, the Palestinian Authority. There's Gaza that, w that w voted for Hamas, right? And there's Israel. In Israel, as far as, as far as Arabs are concerned, there's no apartheid here. And I want to say something publicly now. You know, I received the pacemaker. Back in January, right? It was a life, and death, a life and death situation. It was an Arab doctor that saved my life. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I, I took a picture the other day. I was in uh, this very popular uh, eatery here. It's a chain in, in Eretz Israel. It's called Burger's Bar. And, and you know how much I love burgers. I know. So I'm sitting there in the Burger's Bar. This is before all this happened. And I looked around me, and there's a table full of Arab women. Wearing burqa. This is over on Amakrafayim, you know, which is a very popular place for everybody to go to. It's, it has several restaurants. And, and, and I got my camera out and I snuck, a, I didn't know where I was going to use it or not, because at the next table was a man wearing a kippah. And in, on the other side of the women, there were three women, they're all wearing burqas, uh, was another man wearing a kippah. And no one was paying attention to the other. No one was looking like, oh my God, a Jew, or oh my God, an Arab. That's not, uh -huh. for, for people to sit down, real apartheid, they would not have been allowed it's in the so, same It's just so cafe. ridiculous to use that expression. It's so it is. It is, it is so, but back to the Arab doctor who saved my life, yeah. right? By the way, the divine providence was that I was the last patient that he saw that day, but I was the last patient that he saw altogether because the next day he was moving to Canada on a fellowship uh, for for med some study of some medicine, so he actually like w was hanging up his his shingle um, the afternoon after he after he he yeah. saw me and and sent me to the professor in charge of the the whole department of cardiology and they they sent me to the hospital and they set up the pacemaker. The next day he came to the hospital to visit me, and I gave him a big hug. But but Rabbi, this is apartheid. How could that happen? So, so here we have this apartheid state, right? Which is again, and the, and I just saw a headline that the UN is very concerned about 123 people in Gaza that are displaced and they're frightened and they're displaced and they're sheltering in place. Why is that? The UN isn't talking about that. And Tla and Tlaib, is it that how you pronounce it? I don't know how you pronounce Whatever, it. Whatever the congresswoman, there are names who, ha who I hates, would like to call her that are who hates Jews I'm so sorry. much. She's saying, you know, like it's all it's all America's fault because they're giving Israel, they're supporting Israel, uh, for the apartheid state, and she's upset about the death of Palestinians. Yeah. And AOC and, 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 and AOC is right is, is right there too, but they're not talking about the fact that Hamas came into Israel and went door to door, house to house, and murdered children mm -hmm. and men and women 
hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of Jews. So what I want to say is this. You have these rallies taking place. And I just read, I just read that there's a, a, this rally in, in New York City. And you see the, the Arabs and the Palestinians and the Americans that are on their side. And you see an Arab woman holding up a swastika. And, you, and, and they're there, right? And this is so important that I have to say this at this rally, right? Dueling rallies, they're calling, because you have people that are there supporting Israel, and you have these groups, and it's free speech, right? And at this rally, they're chanting 700. The number of deaths. The number of deaths, right? A celebration of the Jews that have been murdered. They're chanting 700. Yeah. So for all the people who think that this is just a question of people who love freedom, people who are against apartheid, and all this stuff, and, and, and for people that are hiding behind this very tired canard that, well, it's not about the Jewish people, it's only about Zionists, right? Mm -hmm. No, it's about, it's a Shoah. Yeah. It's about, right, for them, for them in, to be mocking the Jews who died opposite the group of Jews who, who have suffered these losses, for them to be chanting 700 like a mantra, like it's, like it's great. So all I want to say is mm -hmm. to the people in America who see these rallies and who wonder whose side that they should be on, before you start identifying with these ideas of, of nobility, of, of freedom for all people, and it's the Jewish people that are basically fighting for their freedom and for their right to survive, yeah. right? Before you go and, and, and getting your feet wet in a rally like that, you need to understand who Hamas is. And right. that's why it's so important for them to understand because, because if you want to celebrate Palestinian self-determination, so what do you do with, with, with people coming and butchering children in their beds? How do you understand that? That's who, that's who Hamas is. That's exactly where we're at right yeah. now. And the claim, the claim that uh, I, you know, the mouth you know, drops and hits the floor of the jaw when you hear Hamas leaders, like I, I saw this one just yesterday uh, uh, being interviewed, and he, he had the chutzpah, well, he doesn't have chutzpah, but anyway, he had the gall to say after, after we had, I think the death count, God forgive us, had gotten up to 600, he said, he said, this happens to us every day. And I thought, what planet is this man, of course, he's lying. Yeah. And the same thing with Tlaib and the squad. They're always talking about the Palestinian children yeah. and about and, and and what are you talking about? What are you talking about? That as we speak, mm -hmm. the, the, I just read an article about a doctor who who whose whose uh, family was affected or is kidnapped or something, and she's and she's saving the life of a child from Gaza in the hospital, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's just so. And, and the, the the we know it's it's probably full blown by the time people are watching this. But I've, I've been telling my friends back home when they said, they said, uh, and these are pro-Israel people, all of my friends are. And, you know, they said, is Israel going to finish this? And I said, well, if they don't listen to the international leaders who will say, this needs to be a measured response exactly. to Hamas. And I told them, I said, but they will not factor in the fact that just this past year in Israel, this thing has almost been in every, and you don't hear about it. But you know that people that um, uh, under under the uh, endorsement of Hamas, uh, Palestinians have walked up in broad daylight and emptied automatic weapons into a Jewish car stopped in traffic. They have right up here, uh, up the hill. When I was visiting you one day, the first they, day that you came, the last trip. Right, they ran into a, a Palestinian ran into a, a rammed into a into a kids. right right and right. then you have the you have all of the knife attacks i mean you this is since this all escalated within the last two years or so to, i mean from my perspective but you've been living with it every day i i tell people all the time that i feel safer especially in Jerusalem than i do in many cities of the world but I do tend to look over my shoulder more than I used I to. I still feel the same way. Yeah. I still feel the same way, Jim. I would not be anywhere else in the world. This is where we have to be. Amen. And, 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 and uh, you know, I think that every Jew in the world should be here as well. 
Well, amen and, to and, that. And you know what I'm very inspired by? I'm very inspired by the fact that, there, that you know, there's a very big problem with air travel now because a lot of, <laughs> a lot of, uh, a lot of airlines are canceling flights, and, and, and I'm sure that there are a lot of tourists here that are trying to get out, but there are a lot of Israelis abroad that are trying to get back in, and they're mm -hmm. scrambling for flights because they want to fight, yeah. because they want to join their units. Yeah. People have asked my wife, Carol, they've said, is Chem coming back? And yeah, of course, they're, they're concerned because they don't know that, that for now, Bezwad Hashem, with God's help, that uh, where we're staying in Jerusalem, I'm, I'm relatively safe. A very home. dear man, a, a very, very sweet and wonderful um, uh, listener and viewer, wrote to me that he'll, if I want to evacuate with my family, he'll send me tickets. <laughs> and I wrote back, I said, you know we would never evacuate. And he said, I, I did know that. I yeah. was just saying because I feel that I need to say something. A, but A very sweet friend texted me and said, uh, do you have enough food, Jim? Do you have... <laughs> Do you need a way to get home? And and I, I, you know, my heart, you know, I was like, you're so kindly, but you know, Baruch Hashem, God has has sustained me. And and people said, are you coming home? And I said, well, even if I wanted to, because because I'm I'm here, so my ticket is still the 29th of this month, and who knows what's going to happen? I, you know, that's God's will. Uh, I said I could leave if I wanted to, because the airlines had canceled all their flights in and out of Israel. I don't so, know if this is going to take days or weeks. I don't know how much we will be allowed because, yeah. again, uh, it's, it's, it, we, we are some sort of uh, banana boat republic when it comes to permission to be able to survive. We yeah. have to have America's... Do you know that you, know, you hear a lot lately before this whole, this whole thing broke, uh, you, you heard a lot about Air Force flights bombing strategic locations in Syria mm -hmm. that are, again, that are Iranian uh, points. And you know that for every single flight... We have to have America's permission and Russia's permission yeah. to fly over Syria. So now, you know, the prime minister was talking about how he spoke to world leaders. He spoke to Biden. He spoke to, to Macron. He spoke to Prime Minister of Great Britain. And everybody is, is on his side right now. So maybe strike while the iron's hot. I don't know when that's going to change. And soon, very, very soon. And you're already hearing it's Israel's fault. And it has to be measured, like you said. And, it has, and, and there's this whole thing. What is that word called? Moral equivalency. Yeah, moral equivalency. You know about how the, yeah. everybody you know deplores all human suffering, but the Jews are not the humans here. That's the that's the thing. So so now um, America uh, is sending an aircraft car carrier. Yeah. And it's uh, accompanying vessels that Gerald R. Ford um, and President Biden said that he has Israel's back and is rock solid and that's not a small thing to send an aircraft carrier with thousands of troops I don't know what they're going to do with it I don't know does that mean America is going to put boots on the ground and fight alongside of us because they realize it's a question of survival is it is it just a political ploy to show that uh, you know because of Ukraine or because of I don't know what but uh, I'm also not terribly impressed. I, I want to make it clear. I'm very appreciative and very grateful that, that America wants to do that, even though, again, I don't know exactly what the motivation is. But part of the situation that we're in is because of America, yeah. because it was American pressure and European pressure that made Israel vacate and disengage from Gaza, expel 10,000 righteous Jews who lived in Gush Katif that were literally the human buffer between us yeah. and, 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 and Gaza. And the, and, 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 and the promise this. was for peace, yeah. right? The promise was for peace. Yeah. They took Gush Katif, which was a paradise on earth, right? And they destroyed it completely. Right. And that's what Hamas is. So, you know, uh, the, you know and, and living all of these years under the Iron Dome, with the iron, real Iron Dome is Hashem, right? But right. the whole concept of like, you know, uh, this thing that has to protect us because the, the missiles are going to continue falling. So it will give you the right to have the Iron Dome so that you can deflect them. What kind of way to live is, is that? Right. Who would live like that? And again, as far as what's going on, what you see on the streets now in these towns in the south of Israel, and again, missiles were just fired at Jerusalem. There are infiltrations. There are attacks all the time. This is a war to the finish, I hope. But I'm saying in America... If this was happening in Miami or Los Angeles, I mean, there's, America has its own problems with unprecedented crime, unprecedented murder, unprecedented total unraveling of, of, of the human... Unprecedented border crossings. Right. But I'm saying, yeah. can you imagine an organization that not even everybody will have the, the audacity, the courage to call a terrorist organization coming en, en masse into people's homes and killing them? What would America be doing right now? And so, and so to judge Israel 
it's just so totally hypocritical. But then again, everything about the way Israel is judged is yeah. always completely hypocritical. I, I don't know if, if this is uh, appropriate to, to bring up in this podcast, but you know, please, I know you'll stop me if, if, if it's a little too much, but my first thought Shabbat morning when the, when I, the sirens went off and I heard, in fact, I looked out and I saw the trails of the rockets over in the western sky from where I was, I'm staying. And I thought, wait a minute, it, uh, this, is the, this is the end of uh, the hog. It's still, it's still kind of officially Sukkot. Not Sukkot, but Shemini Etzer. Shemini Etzer, which is a, like, say another day. Right, of, exactly. The point is, is that I thought of the, the sages talking about that the roar of Gog and Magog in Ezekiel 38 could happen during or near Sukkot. Exactly. And I thought the players are there that are mentioned. And the day before, Hoshana Rabbah is like the last day of judgment of the nations. Right. It's extremely appropriate because yeah. this this is this smacks yeah. of the Gogumagogian Be- scenario. Because, and I'm just going to say this, because, and, and suddenly I did the mental math and I thought, okay, my first thought was Israel will defend itself and they will have to, they will have to take care of this problem that is sitting on their, their border. And if they really take care of it the way it should be, then the nations would have their excuse to gather against Israel, which all figures into this Gog and Magog. And, and here's a little tidbit, um, because it's, it, you know, what is, what is the most important, what is the most important component of the sukkah? The schach. The schach. The roofing. The roof. And what does Gog mean? Roof. Roof. Crazy stuff, folks. Right. You know, I don't know. And listen, Hamas is blaming this whole thing on Jewish visits to the Temple Mount over Sukkot. Oh, were they offended, I guess. But they've been doing that what? for a hundred years. Yeah. The, the Arabs have been, compl- have been complaining and claiming that there's a secret Jewish agenda to change the reality on the Temple Mount. It's not a secret. <laughs> it's the Torah, right? Yeah. I wish... It was really going on. I wish yeah. it was really it was real in the eyes of the government of Israel, which it isn't. Yeah. But the fact is, it's this is the excuse, one excuse. Yeah. But Jim, again, you know, there's so many different levels. First of all, by the time we have this up, I hope we'll have it up as soon as possible. Who knows what gyrations, what what what's changed in this story? But it's so important to to, to me that those that we love and that are listening to this broadcast will have these details and understand what it is that we're up against, what's going on. Again, yeah. there's so many different levels. And there's so much that we can't say. I mean, there's so much that I can't say. I, it's this is not the this is not the forum. This yeah. is not the forum to share a lot of what's going on. But but there are so many levels. There is the, the level of the fact that we are being threatened with an existential threat, and we have to respond no matter what the world thinks. That's one level. There's the level of the price that has to be paid on a personal level, on a national level. There's the level of the the questions that have to be answered as far as how this was able to happen. Mm-hmm. There's the issue of the world. And again, I, I, I want people to really understand that we're seeing a level of atrocity that we haven't seen since the Holocaust. Yeah. Really, this is, this is wholesale destruction of, of Jews, men, women, babies, because they're Jews. And it's going on in Israel, right? right? So if we don't stand up and act very decisively now, that would be the end of the Jewish people all over the world. If we if we can't be here, then we can't be in Los Angeles, we can't be in Houston, we can't be anywhere, right? So we have to take care of this, right? But again, when you see the hatred of those that identify with this, that could be standing in New York City and chanting 700, 700 Jews are dead, like, what, what's, what is this? They're not human. A person who could do that is not yeah. human. Okay, so so I'm going to be the racist if I say, well, I told you about the Arabs, right? I'm going to be, oh, you said that. You said it. Well, you know what? Yeah, I'm saying it. I'm saying it. So so you know what? They're going to come for you. They're oh, going to come for you. Yeah. They already are, and it's happening all over the world. And that's why I say we are being killed for your sins every day, for your sins of complacency, for your sins of, pl- of placating, for your sins of, of moral equivalency, for your sins of, of woke, right? Yeah. And then there's the level of God. There's a God in the world, 
that's all there is. And od milvado means that there isn't anything but Hashem, right? So are we weakening in our faith? That's not what's happening here. And, and again, as, in, as part of everything that I see, I'm not a spokesman for Hashem, but from what I understand from this plan is that we needed this kind of glue so badly now, right? right? We needed this glue because we have had terrible, terrible uh, polarization and division. And, and this is bringing the Jewish people together in, in an unprecedented way. And it's so beautiful and it's so heartwarming to see that kind of unity. And if that's what we needed, that's what we needed. This, this is no secret in the Midrash and the sages who talk about that if, if, if we need it, this is what Hashem is going to do. If he has to hold a mountain overhead, if he has to raise up an evil king like Haman, that's what the Midrash says, in order to wake us up, so be it. But let it be a real wake-up call and not on a snooze button. Yeah. Let, it, let it be a firm, real wake-up call because there's only Hashem. And I'm, again, I just work here, Jim. That's what I always say. I don't know why. It hurts. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a time of transition. And you know what? Out with the old and in with the new. And so what was the expression that we just used a few weeks ago, Rosh Hashanah, right? The, the old year with its curses end, ends and let, let the new year with its blessings begin. Well, this is a rocky beginning on the surface, it looks yeah. like. But, but the point is, it's all Hashem. And, and when it is, when we are facing a transition, when we are facing... Uh, a, a time that is, that is clearly, you know, a, a, a heavenly, tumultuous kind of upheaval that's totally biblical in scale. Well, that's 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 an awkward time. That's an uncomfortable time. It's a, it's an excruciating time to be alive. But this is our time. This is our time. And again, we are part of something so much bigger than the pain and the suffering of every individual that we can so personally identify with. If this is not glossing over the horrendous, horrendous, unprecedented loss of life. But this is looking at something from a perspective that is inaccessible to us, but that we believe in. Right. You we believe to, in that, in that. Yeah, you have to, you, I mean, it, and everybody's being tested because you, you, you have to see this unfold, especially like, you know, I'm, weirdly as it sounds, I feel blessed to be part of this right now. I mean, it's, um, you know, I, I prayed long ago that I would I would see things, and strangely as that comes off, but the point being is, is that is that it's people are being you know even even the, the, the Jewish families are being tested. Like, do I believe in a God that allows right. this? And by the way, personally, I'm not seeing anybody that has that attitude. Like, right. they the the. the Gratefulness in Hashem seems to have increased, right? And it's it's a remarkable thing to see firsthand. And I know, and I've you know, I've always told my Jewish friends in the states when I have been able uh, allowed to speak in shuls, I always talk to them about what a powerful thing that Jewish unity will be mm -hmm. when we really see it, and it's. I know. I know. Hashem is waiting for it. Amen. So I think that's part of what's going on right now, Jim. It's definitely the biggest test of my life to have my family involved with everything else that we've been going through with with my daughter who needs a complete healing and all the things that are going on. It's a tremendous time of upheaval and testing, and it's our time. And so I I cherish it. And you, as a righteous among the nation. Um, I bless you and appreciate your participation in this. And I was talking to a friend, a friend, a couple of friends of mine who converted, you know. Mm -hmm. And I said, uh, and they're here. And I said, uh, so you wanted to join the Jewish people? <laughs> well, good luck with that. How's that going for you? Are you sure about that? Yeah, yeah. Because you can't change your mind. Exactly. There's no, there's no downgrade afterwards. Yeah, you're stuck. Yeah. There's no. Okay. Can I have my papers back? You know. So well, Jim, I'm so grateful to you that you that you uh, enabled us to to uh, record. I don't know how it's going to come out. I don't, I don't know either. if it's going to be uh, yeah. on the level that Shlomo might be embarrassed. But uh, we want everybody to know that Shlomo didn't do this because he's serving his well, country right now on the front line. But yeah. because because we are starting Parshat Breshit this week and we're starting all over again from the very beginning of creation, there's so much to say. The most mysterious, uh, the powerful, moving Torah portion. Uh, containing every secret of the universe, 
uh, it's only fitting that we speak just a little bit about it because until now we've just been talking about what's going on. So I, I'd just like to express one thought to you about um, this Torah portion uh, because it's just, uh, I think, very, very compelling idea here as Hashem brings forth all of creation again from nothing as we speak, right? And again, it's just that so inadequate to address one point when, when this is, again, uh, more than one lifetime of study. And, and uh, we've had Zoom lessons, and we, you know, we speak about it year after year. But I just wonder, what this, can I this do? This book, Breshit, this Parsha, we could do weeks on this. Years? Well, what yeah, can I do? We, yeah. you know, we have a few minutes. I just want to yeah. share one point, okay? It was on the second day that God made a firmament in the midst of the waters, so in the very beginning, the, the spirit of Hashem, the divine presence, hovered over the surface of the waters. Again, every word here is so loaded. We could spend our whole lives understanding what these concepts are all about, right? But there's the water. And then the firmament, basically, if you want to call it heaven, it's a divider. Mm -hmm. And so the sages talk about this. What it means is that there's the lower waters and the, and the, and the upper waters, Right? The lower waters and the upper waters and this firmament is in between. So it, the second day is the only day about which it, do, it doesn't say that God saw that it was good. good. Second right. day, right? And Rashi it's mentions amazing. that, you know, it's because there was division created on that day. It's a whole idea. But on a deep level, Midrash talks about the idea that, you know, the upper waters, again, this is metaphor. This is all just something that is beyond the scope of ordinary understanding, but it's so powerful and teaches us so much. So there's the upper waters. The Midrash describes how the upper waters, they were closer to Hashem, and so they're rejoicing. But the lower waters, below the firmament, are we're like crying out with tremendous longing and yearning for Hashem, separated. And so, and so God actually kind of gave them like a, what would I call it, a, a reward or, or a compensation by the water libation that takes place on the altar over Sukkot, Sukkot yeah, the yeah. days of the, of the festival of the water libation, right? First of all, on the simplest level, this whole idea already expresses something amazing. I, I call it the origin story of tears. In other words, we have an idea that every time something is mentioned explicitly the first time in Torah, that's the place where you learn it's all of its secrets. And here this is not explicit, but it is the backstory. The backstory is that there is this angst, this I would say this is the this is the origin of separation anxiety. It's universal. It was human into the fabric of creation, this feeling of yearning and longing that the whole world is crying out for Hashem. The lower waters were separated, right? Fast forward quite a while to the time of King David. And the Talmud tells us about how when King, you know, Solomon built the first temple, but King David actually dug the foundations right. and he prepared all the infrastructure. And King David was excavating the special system that underneath the, the altar called the shitin that allows the, the water and, and the blood from the offerings that's poured down onto the altar to seep into the into the area. But this is like, they were like channels going down to like the, what's called the tahom. This is like the water table, like the depth of the earth, right? Mm -hmm. And so he dug, he dug all the way down and he, he lifted some kind of a, again, we could talk about this a long time, but I just want to get to one point. He lifted some kind of like a, like a cork or something, yeah, right? And, and the water started to rise up, and it was, and it was going to flood the world. It was going to flood the world. And then David composed and sang the fifteen songs of ascent. And for every song of ascent, the water receded one hundred and fifty amot cubits, and then, and then it receded to the proper place, and he, he because he placed a a piece of something there and that he wrote Hashem's name on, and so the water receded to that, right? What does this mean? This is just one of these amazingly beautiful poetic vehicles of, of the sages, right? It means right? call the utilities department of Hashem before you dig. Like we have signs all over, you know, where you're not supposed to dig because there's something under here. All right, <laughs> all right. I think that 
first of all, I never understood the story for so many years. Like, mm-hmm. w- what does that mean? The waters, the waters rose up. They rushed up when David pulled that plug, and they were going to flood the world. Why would the lower waters want to destroy the world? That's not what it is at all. The lower waters wanted to be reunited with Hashem. They wanted to rise up. But then when he placed Hashem's name there, so then they receded towards that like a magnet, as it were. Mm-hmm. All this facilitated by David, a.k.a. Adam, a.k.a. Mashiach, mm-hmm. who brings about the redemption of all humanity and the, and the final unity of all creation. Because his whole essence, everything about him, is pining and yearning for Hashem. He sa- expresses that so beautifully in Psalms. That's his whole life, is yearning for Hashem. So he was the one who this whole scenario came about. This, this desire for, for closeness, for unity, for the cessation of this terrible anxiety of, of being separated from Hashem. There's a lot here. It's just one very, very small point um, in the backstory, in the fabric of creation, in, in, in the whole idea of what this world is all about, what the human condition is all about, the, the, the feeling of our need for Hashem that was hewn into the very fabric of creation that we all feel, that we all resonate with, whether we can identify with it or not, whether we understand what it is or not, the drive, the push, the anxiety that we all have in our lives, it's that we want God in our lives. I think Israel is feeling that now more than ever. I think that's what this is all about. I think Hashem is calling out to us. I think that it is not for naught that it began now in this holy season. And as we begin reading the Torah anew and we read about creation and Adam and Adam's responsibility to be the gardener, right? To keep it and to work it. To watch it and to work it. That's what we all are in this world. Mm -hmm. And basically the orcs that are overrunning the land of Israel now they're they're the original serpent of Eden, yeah. and they are the challenge to humanity uh, to preserve the garden. Yeah. They are the face of evil. Whoever doesn't understand that, whoever is hiding like an ostrich, head in the sand, thinks it's would be doesn't have the courage to come out and defend Israel now. Doesn't have the courage to speak up for the truth. Well, you have a problem with the divine image in which Hashem created you because what's going on now is an unbelievable test for all humanity to react to because this is a question of, you know, you talk about civil rights, you talk about human rights, you talk about indigenous people, you talk about self-determination. Are you in favor of war crimes? And we haven't even spoken about the... Do we speak about the foreign nationals, the Nepalese, the Thais, the Mexican, the German... The Americans yeah. that are either kidnapped or murdered, right. right? You know what? It's up to all people to decide now how to interpret these events and to understand that what we are facing is no longer an isolated incident, but it is basically a major trial of all humanity, of all mankind. Mm-hmm. And may we pass this test, and may Hashem bless the people of Israel and all those who stand with her. Amen. And all of our children who are on the front line and all of the soldiers. Amen. Amen. Shalom, shalom. Shalom.